Good day, welcome to Partakers. This is a series of studies called Luke Looks Back, based in the Gospel of Luke, and is presented to us by Roger Kirby. Over to you, Roger. Hi there. This is the first of a set of studies of the life of Jesus written by a man called Luke. The studies are in the form of sets of questions for a group or an individual to think over and discuss. We've used them, actually a larger set of them, in our own house group in England. We spent two very enjoyable years of weekly meetings going right through the gospel. They worked well for us. I hope they do for you too. The studies work like this. After some introduction, we will read out some verses using the New International Version of the Bible, then give you a question to answer, pause for a few seconds so that you can stop your computer and discuss what your answer is, then sometimes, but not always, I will suggest what some or all of your answers might be. For some of the questions, your answer will be specific to yourself or yourselves. My answer might be quite different. It should become clear how it all works out as we go along. In his first four verses, written in different, better Greek than the rest of the book, Luke announces what he is going to do. Luke makes it clear he is writing history by emphasizing the way in which he has researched the life of Jesus and the surrounding events. The other three gospel writers write life stories more narrowly focused on Jesus. Luke was writing to a man called Theophilus, who, judging by the formal way Luke addressed him, must have been someone rather important. My wife will read these first four verses, Luke chapter 1, 1 to 4. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke wants to give Theophilus certainty about the things he's been taught by Christians. So he says in verse 4, Where can we get certainty about the things we have been taught? Now I'm going to pause at this moment to let you get a chance Think about what we've done. The certainty of Theophilus was to come from what Luke wrote, facts of history. Ours comes from the same place, the record of how God related to his people and the world told to us in the word of God, the Bible. Luke starts off with background information about Jesus, explaining the story of his cousin, John the Baptist. This sort of information is the way Greeks wrote history. Luke is being careful to fit in with the expected ways to write history in his day. First we get a description of Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John, in verses 5 to 25. Here they are. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. 
His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take any wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Second question then. What were the good things about this couple that made them the right sort of people to be the parents of a prophet? There were also some things about them that were not so good. What were they? What are we meant to learn from these good and not so good things? And I pause again. Notice here, the good things are obvious, the not-so-good ones less so. Childlessness was a great disgrace in their culture. We shall see that Luke keeps on drawing attention to people who were poor, of low status, and generally disadvantaged. Luke, like Matthew, 
emphasizes the very special and unique way Jesus was conceived. We now read verses 26 to 38 of Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who is said to be barren, is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. The third question then is this. What would the village gossips have said had happened? Note what was said in John chapter 8 and verse 41, which probably refers to this. And we pause again. The village gossips will have concluded that Mary was not a virgin, and Jesus was born illegitimately. The no reputation of some of the older English translations of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7 will have had a very literal, practical meaning for Jesus and his mother. And now to question 4, which is, why was Jesus conceived this way? What difference did it make to who he was? And we pause. Jesus had to be fully human so that he could share our humanity. See Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. And he had to be fully God so that his sacrificial death could be effective for more than just himself. In the early church they said, Jesus was as we are, and therefore he will help. In other ways, he was not as we are, and therefore he can help. Although the point is never made in the New Testament, it is likely that only through the virgin birth, or more accurately, it could, should be called the virgin conception, could he be both. The angel said he was to be called the Son of God, verse 35. That was a very special title in those days. The king of Judea was considered to be a son of God, Psalm 2, 
verse 7. So was the whole nation of Israel. Hosea 11 and verse 1. The Romans called their emperor the son of a god. It does not mean that God had intercourse with Mary. That is sometimes said, and it is a dreadful thing to suggest. And we're going to read verses 39 to 56 from Luke chapter 1. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abram and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. But Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then returned home. Mary's song is lovely. Question 5. What can Mary possibly have meant by verses 51 to 53? That is, from, He has performed mighty deeds, He has brought down rulers, He has filled the hungry. Herod was still alive, and a very dangerous man, half crazy and vicious to anybody he thought might challenge his rule. And a pause. Herod, the first Herod, Herod the Great, was a terrible man, who killed many people, including his favourite wife and his own sons, on the merest suspicion of treason. Mary must have been speaking prophetically, going far beyond what could have been expected from the young village girl that she was. And now we read the rest of the chapter from verses 57 to 80. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. 
Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea people were talking about it, all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand is with him. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness, before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. What happened in the argument about the name of the baby was very like the late change of name that seems to have been a frequent mark of someone having something very special to do. Abram became Abraham, Simon became Peter, Saul became Paul, and so on. Question six, then. What would those who heard the prophecy of Zechariah have thought he meant by the first part of what he said, where he praised the Lord? And how would they have understood the second part, where he spoke about the future of his baby? Which part sounds like politics, and which like preaching? And our pause. It is important to remember that the whole life of Jesus took place against a background of continual trouble between the people of that country and the occupying power of Rome. There were many attempted rebellions against the Romans. The Jews did not understand how they could be the Lord's people and not be in control of their own country. Even the ordinary Jewish people were desperately hoping a strong man would appear and lead them in a military campaign against the Romans. There were major rebellions against Roman rule, both before and after the time of Jesus. All of them were unsuccessful. Those about 40 years and 120 years after the death of Jesus were both very unsuccessful, and led to terrible revenge being taken by the Romans, and the deaths of millions of people. This background is reflected 
in what Zechariah said. I hope that at the news of the coming Saviour, your heart has leapt within you as the baby John leapt in Elizabeth. Thanks, Roger. This series is on every Sunday, but as usual on Partakers, www.partakers.co.uk, there is something new available every day to inspire your Christian life.